So you thought you were off the hook. Now we're jumping into the first Peter. Here we go. Are you guys ready? And uh, and I promised, I said, Fred, if we're going to do your sabbatical, I'm going to try and be a little shorter. So I won't go an hour today was was my commitment. Um, (laughs) Thank you for the one person that was with me on that. I've missed you guys. I've missed you guys. Uh, So first, Peter... I don't know about you, sometimes I get lost in the, 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 the paragraph by paragraph, and so I always want to keep going back to the forest as we examine trees. So every week, week in, week out, we want to be a biblically saturated community, seeing and experiencing God through His Word. And so we are in First Peter right now, and we are marching through, and so here's a brief look back at where Peter has been thus far. He, he started his letter, and he's writing to the elect exiles in the dispersia, people who have fled and, and want to practice their faith, and they're experiencing challenges. He's going to tell us later, don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, when the fiery trials of this life come upon you. Don't be surprised, because we just expect that. And so Peter is writing to elect exiles, and he anchors them in their salvation. Right at the beginning of his letter, he talks about the past, present, and future implications of their salvation. And then he continues on, and, and he just bursts into praise. In verse 3, he just can't contain himself, and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And from 3 to 12, he, he just, just shares this passion of what it means to hope in God And his first command, he's going to give us four commands. We're on the third one this morning. He gives us four commands from verse 13 to chapter 2, verse 3. And then there will be a turn there. We'll get there in a few weeks. But he gives us two commands. And that be afraid is is attached on. But this be hopeful and be holy. And we ought to be afraid of not being hopeful. He gives us this command after this beautiful exaltation. And now he's entering into um, another command this morning, love others. And so for me, that command lands on me this way, that, that it just feels like there's a familiar idea. And when you hear familiar, it feels like there's a few ways to define familiar. That, that it could be this well-known, memorable, established, recognized, distinguished reality. That when we think of Paris, we think of the familiar idea of the Eiffel Tower. When we think of driving into Madison, there's this familiar, captivating idea of seeing the capital just peer over. And when you think of Oregon, you think of the familiar, well-known, memorable, recognized, established, beautiful coffee shop, the Firefly, that, that we all enjoy. I mean, there's just a familiar sense that we love this stuff. But it also feels like the idea of familiar becomes this common, ordinary, regular, unexceptionable, nothing special idea. That when we come home to our spouse, it's, it's just another familiar idea. That, that maybe for some of you guys, when you look out over the beauty that is the winter wonderland, hasn't become familiar to me yet. Instead, for some, you might look and go, this is just familiar and we just got to deal with it. You know, growing up in Hawaii and then moving to California, the beach... <laughs> became somewhat familiar. 
So much so that Casey and I were fascinated when we began coming out here to Wisconsin. We had forgotten just how long it had been since we'd been to the beach because it was just so familiar. Uh, That was not the case for someone who I was talking to this week that said, for them, it's not a vacation unless there's sand between their toes because it's not familiar in that sense of common and ordinary. What Peter is going to tell us this morning is this command from Jesus, and I want to read this command from Jesus before we hear it from Peter, could just be familiar. Here's what Jesus said. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Here we go, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so I now say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Even the familiarity of having Jesus around. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so Peter now is going to reiterate that same command to us this morning in our text in verse 22 to 25. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable. And at some point, this is going to be either be dropped down here or there's going to be something on the screen because my neck is going to get sore if I just have to keep looking up here like this. Anybody else feeling that? Yeah. Okay. So not just my neck is the only one feeling that pain, but temporary, temporary, right? Refreshing our physical and digital space. Since you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God for all flesh is like grass and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word, this word is the good news that was preached to you. So so here's where it feels like Peter's taking us this morning. That love one another... (laughs) could be just a tired and familiar phrase to you. Uh, instead, <laughs> or, or, or as a result, sometimes the value and the power of that phrase gets overlooked. And so Peter re- re- repeats this well-known phrase in order to increase the love we have for others because though we know it, though we know it, though it's a familiar phrase, we don't often experience it or live it out as fully. And so Peter is continuing this letter with this command, and he's repeating the power of this love one another, because though we know it, though it's familiar, we don't often experience it and live it. Peter wants us to live and experience that love more fully. So pray with me as we, uh, as we jump in to the text. God, you're so good. We, we claim that over and over and over, your goodness to us to take another breath uh, for Fred and, and the grace you extended for him to experience just a little bit more fully what it means to be a child of God. Help us hear from, from you as we, as we wrestle through the words of Peter this morning. Always for your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. So, he's going to tell us this familiar phrase of love one another. Peter is going to reveal we have the capacity to love others more, and I want to unpack it in three ways. Here's the three ideas that he's revealing we have that capacity. First, we have the capacity to love others because God has performed a supernatural work in our lives. 
We have this capacity to love others because that is the very essence of the gospel. And then we have the capacity of, to love others. He's going to give us some characteristics of what that love ought to look like. So, you guys ready? Matt, I've missed you, man. You ready for this? Thank you. The front row. Thank you, Matt. This is the problem with sitting in the front row, right? I can't quite see everybody else's faces, but Matt, I can see yours. So, Felix, you ready? All right, let's do it. So, the first, we have the capacity to love others because of the supernatural work that has been done, this supernatural miracle that has been done in our lives. Here's what he says. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. So what does it mean to have purified our souls? I think it's the same thing. It's having been born again. There's a supernatural work, Peter's saying, because we're not getting to verse 22 until the very end, right? Did you guys notice that in the, in the map? We're not going to get to the command to the very end. Peter's helping us see where this love can come from. If it's become so familiar, when you hear that phrase, love one another, and it just falls on deaf ears, like as if uh, you've been to the beach a thousand times. Peter wants to wreck us with the reality of what it means to love one another. Having purified your souls and having been born again by your obedience to the truth. So I found this fascinating. There's a supernatural work that's been done in our lives. Our souls have been purified and we've been born again. How? By your obedience to the truth. Now, how's that land on you? When I hear those words, having grown up in the church, here's how they land on me. My obedience to the law, doing the law. And yet Peter seems to be saying something else about the supernatural work that's been done in our lives. So what does he actually mean by having purified your souls by the obedience to the truth? What's that mean? I haven't said this in a while. You guys know you pay me to think about this stuff, right? <laughs> Fascinating. What's Peter trying to tell us about the supernatural work that's been done in our life? By your obedience. What is the obedience? You heard Fred say, sometimes obedience looks like all the tasks I got to do. Instead, what Peter is trying to anchor this love that he's going to tell us about, he's saying it flows from a faith in the gospel. Your obedience to the truth. The first and foremost, most important thing is that your faith to the gospel. That your souls have been purified, not in your ability to do more and try harder, but actually by a deep dependence on the work of Jesus on your behalf. He continues on. Having purified your souls by your faith in the gospel for a, for a sincere brotherly love, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable. Through the living and abiding word of God. And again, we read these words. This thought right here is profound to me about our methodology of life and ministry around here. So we've been born again by faith through the gospel. And then he tells us the second idea, right? The same idea. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable seed. This faith, though tested, is going to last. How is that faith acquired? You guys see it? 
we talk about life of a disciple, experiencing all three of these realities, feels like sometimes we eliminate that first one and just, just believe that that imperishable seed is going to be accomplished by good stuff. If, if I just do nice things, there's, there's going to be a, a radical transformation. What I hear him saying is, how is that imperishable seed accomplished in someone's life? <laughs> that hearing the living and abiding word of God is critical. That hearing the very words of God is critical. For us, church just isn't come to get a hug, a little slap on the butt, and go home and have a great week. Am I allowed to say that? I apologize. So, sometimes I just speak extemporaneously, just something comes into my heart. Church, church isn't just about showing up and getting a little hug and, and a little encouragement. But this powerful message of Jesus... And sometimes we want the new, right? We want the new. What's the new message? The message that brings imperishable life is a 2,000-year-old message. That Jesus came to this world to reconcile lost sinners. Did you hear all those songs we were singing this morning? This supernatural love to reconcile lost sinners to himself through faith in him. Where do we hear about that message? <laughs> the living and abiding word. And so every Sunday in our groups, we just want to keep anchored in this. To not just give hugs on Sunday if you'll allow it, but every once in a while slug us. <laughs> what does it look like for us to experience more fully that living and abiding word for our lives, right? We've been obedient to the truth, that faith in the gospel. And then he says, it ought not just stay with us. We have the capacity to love others because loving others is the gospel. And so I, I just want to go back here one second. The familiarity of these words could just land. When we hear that command, love one another, it, we just go, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'm just, I didn't do it again this week. I shoulda, woulda, coulda. A phrase we love saying around here, don't, don't should on me, right? Don't, don't tell me what you should or ought to do because then there's this sense of guilt that you're heaping on yourself. Instead, what obedience to the truth ought to do is free us from that should do more, ought to try harder, and instead embrace more fully that imperishable seed being born again, being obedient to the truth. And then he continues, so out of that then, we have the capacity to love others because loving others is an expression of that gospel. Here's what he says. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God for. So now he's telling us a little bit about that phrase, that living and abiding word, that imperishable seed for, and he's going to quote Isaiah 40. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. That capacity to love others 
is the gospel. This power of this metaphor that he's pulling from Isaiah resonates with me because I, I look around our culture <laughs> and I see a lot of beautiful flowers and green, green grass. Maybe not right now during winter, but, but the metaphor, right? It, it sure feels like you look around and it, I mean, people have their life together, potentially. Seems like, seems like positive things might be happening in their life. Successful. And you got J-Lo singing at the inauguration. I mean, it's, doesn't, she ever, doesn't she have her life all together? He's bursting out the inauguration. These beautiful flowers that exist. And yet, what is Peter trying to tell us? All flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. There is a temporary nature to the existence of this life. The essence of the gospel is sharing the temporary nature of the things that we cling to in this life. How did we hear about it? How did we experience the gospel? Peter says, this word is the good news that was preached to you. David, this world is temporary. <laughs> and the things of this world are fading fast. If you put your hope in the things of this world, there will come a day you will be disappointed. But David, the good news is, you don't have to be disappointed if you put your hope and your faith in Jesus. Because though the things of this life will fail and are perishable, put your faith in an imperishable seed that will not fail. This word is the good news that was preached to you. So how is he defining loving one another in that sense? This love one another, we have the capacity because that is the essence of the gospel. This love for others to share the living and abiding word. And I heard this phrase just resonates with me. That we want to be a community of generous relationships. That those who live, <laughs> love to give. Those who have found life with Jesus can't help but want to share it with others. We heard Fred tell us about Ticket to Ride last week. Just wanted to tell us about Ticket to Ride. Any game players out there? You guys love playing board games? <laughs> if you're looking for a game board partner, you should go talk to Ricky. He's hiding in the back rather than being here in the front row because he understands how the process works. <laughs> But this idea that we want to share what we have, those who have found life with Jesus want to give, love to give. And then he shares a third idea. All the way back now in 22, so love one another, this familiar phrase. Is there something for you that's become familiar, that it's kind of lost some of that, that luster? Now it's just become another mundane thing about life. I'll tell you what I'm fighting hard right now is, is, is the familiarity, right, of just the beauty of, of, uh, 
of having a baby that does nothing, just sits there, <laughs> eyes closed. And I'm like, it's been three weeks and there's already a familiarity and I need to keep reminding myself of just the miracle that this is. I remember being in the delivery room about three weeks ago now, four weeks ago. The nurses were taking bets on whether I was going to faint if I looked over, the, uh, over that thing. I don't know how you don't believe in a God after watching the miracle of, of birth. It was fascinating to, to watch these guys pull this little life out of my wife. I didn't look for very long. I had to pull back over the sheep, but just to watch it for a clip, it was nuts. And because of that reality of being born again, Peter then commands us to love one another with sincere and pure love. Here's what he says. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And so again, we hear these words. They could be familiar. What exactly does it mean then, Peter, to have a sincere love for others? I think there's three ideas in what that means, and, and it may be familiar. We, we may have talked about these ideas before, but, but I, again, need to hear them again and again, because what does that mean to have sincere and pure love for someone else? I think there's a cost. It, co it costs you something. There's a cost to love. Sometimes we we would demand reciprocity for our love. Well, if it's going to cost me something, you better do something for me. And I go, that there, there feels like it's negating the essence of love with a demand of reciprocity. Instead, it's doing for someone, doing for someone uh, something that's going to cost you something, whether that's usually in three primary categories, right? Your time, it's going to cost you time. I was really going to watch the Packer game today, and I was just going to enjoy kicking back. Huh, but now i got to go ding around and help this people. So there's a cost of time sometimes. Or of talent. I would love to love someone and make maybe a woodworking table for them. You don't want me loving you in that way, right? That would not be a good demonstration of my love. There's a talent. There's a cost of talent. Or potentially finances, right? Time, talent, or treasure. But what might distinguish it a little bit further is in that demonstration of love, there's a hope for the living and abiding word to be accomplished, right? This is actually for God's glory. That might lead to a conversation, right? Maybe not in that immediate act, but there is a desire at the core of what you want that this is beyond just you. There's something bigger hoping that you hope is accomplished here. But back to that Packer analogy, here's where that love for me really hit home. Because it could cost me something, and I could in, in name, in theory, say I want God to be glorified by this, but I just don't like it. I don't want to do this. For me, what I think Peter is calling us to is this demonstration of cost, God's glory, and an overflow of our heart because we want others to experience the good news that's changed our life for our joy. Our joy is a fundamental component of what this pure and sincere love looks like. 
So I have three takeaways for us this week. Look at that. I was. I was shooting for 25. We're at 24. <laughs> does, does anybody think about that stuff? Is it bad that I think about that? I'm, there, is, there is a sense that we want to honor our time together collectively. Uh, anyway, neither here nor there. Three takeaways. And, and, I, and I want it connected to our vision and value. So I tried to, I tried to use that language a little bit more as we start the year. I, I want us to see how what we're talking about here is directly linked to who we at Hillcrest want to continue to be. That at Hillcrest, we, we want to follow Jesus. We want to believe there is joy in Jesus. We want to experience life of being biblically saturated. And so how are we being joyfully obedient to the truth? How are we experiencing more faith in the gospel? I don't know what that might look like for you this week. But Peter's call to us started with an understanding of being born again. So I don't know if for you, it might look like going back and reading one of the gospels again to remind yourself of, of this radical transformation and hearing it through the words of Jesus. I don't know if it's, if it's finding some devotional that you can remind yourself week in, week out of what it means to be joyfully obedient to the truth, to remind yourself of the faith in the gospel. I don't know if it looks like you having a conversation with someone directly tied to experiencing more. I don't know if it's unhurried time with God, like Fred was sharing, to experience time of rest of just seeing the Pacific Ocean. But that's where Peter started before he moved on to loving one another and building community, that we follow Jesus and build community. The question that I'd ask is, with whom are you engaging in generous relationship? an intentional apprenticeship. That, that at Hillcrest, we think it's better to give than to receive, and we see that in the context of relationship. Sometimes church, when we get together, it becomes this vague idea of community. Our desire at Hillcrest is that generous, authentic relationship that, that we desire to permeate our community. So with whom? With whom might that get expressed more fully this week? Maybe it is in your home, and it's with one of your kids, and there's a desire to demonstrate this, this longing to overflow generous <laughs> relationship. And then intentional apprenticeship. Is there someone in your life with whom you are having conversations about experiencing more of this reality? And is there someone with whom you're sharing? That we hope at Hillcrest there's both someone we get to spend time who's helping us go further up and further in, as well as someone we are inviting into this journey of understanding the flower fails, but the word of the Lord endures forever. With whom are you actually engaging? And if you're not, I would encourage you. That is a beautiful reflection of Peter's encouragement to us to be hopeful, holy, and now love one another. And then, this was the good news that was shared with you. We desire to follow Jesus, to experience God through his word, to, to do that in relationship with other followers of Jesus, and then actually seek the transformation of the world around us. That we want to live with this desperate, dependent prayer for the world around us. So, who is on your 
pray and watch list. For whom might you be praying for that you might then share the good news that was shared with you as we seek the transformation of southern Wisconsin? That we are experiencing this life of being a disciple, of following Jesus, building community, and seeking transformation. All three of those. Not just a holy huddle, right, that's, that's missing out on that seeking transformation, but also not just missing out on that building community and just going like just a, just a, just a uh, filter, right? Just like going crazy to stand on a box and, and proclaim the gospel, but also not diminishing that top one of following Jesus and becoming, if you'll allow the word, a social justice warrior absent from the truth of the gospel. What does it look like for us as individuals collectively gathering, experiencing these three lifestyles? Pray with me as we uh, invite the worship team back up. God, you're so good. What a gift to gather with your people to anchor our lives in your truth and to be, to be encouraged by the familiar of loving one another. May that hit us and strike, strike, a, strike a, a new chord in our heart uh, and that you might have someone very specific with whom we could live out that call. Thank you, Jesus, for your glory we pray. Amen.